Today, we're going to talk about how to biblically overcome anxiety. And often when we talk about anxiety, we talk about having anxiety for things that don't really matter, like an anxiety disorder. Someone has anxiety over trivial things. And oftentimes pastors will spend a lot of time talking about that. I want to talk a little bit about that today, but I also want to talk about when our life is unraveling and we should be anxious about how things are happening, how we can handle that kind of anxiety as well. Hi, this is Robert Furrow and welcome to Hot Topics. If you're new here, consider liking, subscribing, sharing, and ringing the bell so you can get all of our new content. The comment section is open below. We would love to hear from you. There are over 300 commands in the Bible that tell us not to be afraid, not to be anxious, and not to worry. It is the most often command given in the Bible. Polls tell us that over 70% of people deal with anxiety to the point that it affects their mental health and their physical health. The Mayo Clinic has an article in which they talk about the way that anxiety, worry, and fear affects us. Listen to what they say. It affects our body by headaches, muscle tension or pain, chest pains, fatigue, change in sex drive, stomach upset, and sleep problems. And that worry and fear can cause our mood to change. Having anxiety, restlessness, lack of motive or lack of focus, feeling overwhelmed, irritable or angry. Also our behavior, overeating or undereating, angry outbursts, drug and alcohol misuse or tobacco use, social withdrawals or exercising less or exercising more. In other words, anxiety can affect every aspect of our lives. Here's how the Mayo Clinic article said you could get rid of fear and worry and anxiety. By getting regular exercise, practicing relaxation techniques such as sleep, breathing, and meditation, keeping a sense of humor, spending time with family and friends, setting aside time for hobbies such as reading books or listening to music. It's not that I'm saying that these things are not effective at relieving stress but I think that they're a little trivial compared to how overwhelming it is. If 70% of people are experiencing mental health from anxiety, then telling them to get a little more exercise or to read a book is not going to be real helpful. Now they did go on to say that they should get help if they need it, meaning a therapist, a psychologist, or a psychiatrist, or maybe even drugs that help people cope with anxiety. But the Bible tells us how we can do this in a time before there were psychiatrists and there were drugs to be able to come along and help. And I'm certainly not saying that if you're taking drugs for some kind of a mental health issue to stop taking those. In fact, if you want to stop taking them, you should do it at the advice and supervision of a doctor. Now, let me read you a couple of texts that talk about anxiety in the Bible. And then I want to break down the first one. This is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is not saying that if someone has mental health issues, 
that are connected to anxiety, that that's the way to overcome it, although I think that's possible. But if your life is unraveling and you are anxious because of very real things that you should be anxious about, that you can find peace in this way. We'll break it down momentarily. The second passage is Matthew 6, 25 through 23. It's a little lengthy, but it's worth reading. Listen to what Jesus said. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his statue? Or why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all of these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. The context of that last verse, but seek first the kingdom of God. God wants you putting him first, seeking him first, instead of seeking what you're going to eat, drink, or wear. And God will bless you. He's in essence is saying he'll be about your business if you'll be about his, if you'll put it first. Now, before we break down Philippians 4, 6, and 7, let's talk a little bit about the word of God. So the Bible says that it is inspired or breathed by God. This is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, for all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, is profitable for reproof, for correction, for doctrine, that the man of God would be thoroughly equipped, lacking in nothing. Everything we need for life and godliness is in the Bible, in the word of God. I'm not saying that there's not truth that's outside of the Bible, but it's extra biblical. And what we need to know God for eternal life comes from the pages of scripture. God's word tells us that it will not return back void. It is alive and active. It works in the hearts of those who believe and that the word of God is like a seed. And when it falls on a good heart that isn't hard, that isn't rocky, that isn't weedy, that it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. So we want to turn to God's word in every aspect of things we struggle with, certainly when it gives us over 300 commands on anxiety. Okay, let's unpack Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. The first thing that it says is be anxious for nothing. Now this means things like food and drink and clothing, but also things in our lives that really matter. For some of you right now, you've clicked on this video because your life is unraveling. You're laying in bed and you're anxious. You're feeling your health decline because of it. And there are very real reasons why you are anxious, but the Bible still says, don't be afraid. Don't worry. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 41:10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He doesn't say fear not because you're going to go through it anyway. 
He doesn't say fear not because it's trivial. He says, fear not for I am with you and he will uphold us with his righteous right hand. Second Timothy 1 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And this is really important because we can face things that are very hard to face, knowing that God's working all things together for the good and not seeing what God is doing behind the scenes. The second thing this passage says is be anxious about nothing, but everything in prayer. It's now giving us something positive to do. Our minds are racing. We are anxious. We can't get it out of our minds. We're worried about our family. We're worried about our friends. We're worried about our finances. We're worried about our job. And the Bible says, everything in prayer begin to go to God when you start to worry when you start to be anxious it ought to automatically click for you to begin to pray listen to what it says in Jeremiah 17 7 and 8 blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. God will take care of it when you call out to him, when you ask him through prayer. Now the prayer here is simply fellowship with God. You're spending time with him. You're talking with him about the things you're anxious about, but also making sure that you're praying in all parts of your life. Psalm 34, four says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. Here it's not praying specifically for anxiety, but it's seeking God. All things in prayer. Prayer is not just asking, but prayer is interacting with God. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. And then it says, be anxious for nothing, but everything in prayer and supplication. Now we get to asking. The word supplication means ask. And so we are supposed to ask him. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 7, 7 and 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And these are in the continual. In other words, ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. And God is going to answer. He's promised. If you call out to me, I will answer you. First Peter 5, 7 puts it this way, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. God cares for you. And so when you cast your cares upon him, there's a peace that comes into our lives. Now, the Bible also tells us in James 4, 2, that we don't have because we don't ask. And there's this great example in the Old Testament of Hezekiah. Isaiah comes and tells him when he's sick, you're going to die from this sickness. And then when Isaiah leaves, now remember, he's speaking for God. You're going to die from the sickness. And when he leaves, Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and prays, cries out to God. And God stops Isaiah in the courtyard and says, go back and tell him I'm going to extend his life. His prayer changed his destiny. And I think that's really important for us to understand when we're praying about things that really matter to us. Cry out to mercy for God, for those that you're crying out for and believe that God can do it and trust him, that he can change destinies. Doesn't mean you're going to see it right away, but I believe that when we pray, God moves. In fact, the Bible tells us that. Then the passage tells us that we're supposed to ask with thankfulness, let your request be made known unto God. In other words, when things are really bad or we're dealing with 
trivial things that we're anxious about, that we are to remember what God has done in the past and be thankful for the things that God has done. I know for me personally, I can look back and see that God has done certain things so that when I look ahead to things that are going on in my life right now, I can see that God answered prayers then and I believe he will answer prayers in the future and that I really need to trust in him. So the Bible says about Thanksgiving in 1 Thessalonians 5:16, rejoice always. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Part of God's will for your life is that you would rejoice in all things and that you would be thankful in everything. I want to be in God's will. And so we should take a few moments to rejoice and to thank God for the blessings that we have, even if at this particular moment, your life is unraveling because God has blessed you and you are blessed and not cursed. Now in verse seven, he says this, and the peace of God, if you'll pray with supplication and thanksgiving, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's not telling us that suddenly we'll have an understanding of peace and that I can go, well, I prayed and now I have peace. No, God's giving you the gift of peace and it surpasses all understanding. Isaiah 26, three, a great verse says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That great Old Testament passage tells us that God's going to keep me in a perfect peace if I trust in him and put my mind on him. What a great promise. And you can meet that condition and see God bring peace into your life when you set your mind on him. In Matthew 11, 28 and 30, Jesus gave an invitation. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What an invitation. Are you, are you weighed down with fear and anxiety? Come to him. He'll lighten the load, call out upon his name, take his yoke upon you, begin doing the things he wants you to do, and God will bless you. One more verse about peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus gives a promise about this peace. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Again, a promise of giving us peace. Now I want to end by thinking back to Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water. Jesus isn't the only one who walked on water. Peter looked out and said, Lord, if it's you, then bid me to come to you. And Jesus called him out of the boat and he got out of the boat and by faith walked on that water. But the Bible says that he looked at the wind and the waves. He's in the middle of a storm. He ought to be afraid, but he's not because he's with Christ. But suddenly in the middle of it, he looks at the wind and the waves and he sinks and cries out, Lord, help me. And Jesus reaches down and takes his hand and puts him back in the boat and says to Peter, oh, you of little faith. I find it interesting that he didn't say, good job, Peter. You walked on water. He's the only other guy besides Jesus to do it. But instead, he said he only had a little bit of faith. What could he have done had he kept his eyes on Jesus? Had he trusted in him? Would he have kept him in perfect peace upon those waves? 
And whatever storm you're in, whatever storm is engulfing your life, you can find perfect peace by putting your mind and your heart upon God, by praying, by asking, by seeking him, God will give you that perfect peace. God bless you. We'll see you next time on Hot Topics.